Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Max Carlin. Max, how's it going? I'm doing all right, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, once again, we are joined by Jackson Frank, a uh, longtime Prep to Pro returner. Uh, Jackson, how's it going? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me again, guys. No problem. As we are going to continue our talk um, on this last week or so of 2021 games and prospects, uh, we're going to talk about some guys we've talked about before, revisiting them with Jackson and some new guys. So without rambling anymore, let's, let's get into it. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect. With many teams strutting their stuff, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Um, so we are going to talk Kentucky guys. Um revisit Kentucky guys because they've played a couple times since the, the first episode. Um, sh- should we start with BJ Boston? Yeah, let's start with BJ Boston. Okay. Uh, it has not been a good start to BJ Boston's Kentucky career. Um, I'm not, I'm not fully panicking yet. Cause I think there have been some very good things in there that, that we can talk about, but I do think it's important to reconsider what he is. Um, both at Kentucky and in general. Um, I think he's less of an on-ball player than we had hoped. Um, I think that he's not that level of – I don't think he can be that level of slasher because the physicality benefits are diminished uh, and he he has burst and strength issues. I don't think that he's that level of manipulator or uh, playmaker, um, we'll, we'll see what level the shooting's at. But it's just, I mean, it's really hard to be a, a primary on-ball player, and I don't think BJ is going to hit that level in reality. Um, but he does have, he's, he does still have on-ball utility. He has some really impressive space creation moments still. Uh, but, he, but he does need to adapt more to an, to an off-ball role. And it's something he's capable of doing. Like he, I think he learned to be a very good off-ball player playing off of Sharif uh, in AAU. And, and we haven't seen that as much, but he is a really smart cutter. Um, he should be a guy who can shoot off the move. 
Uh, but a problem at Kentucky has been, you know, they're, they're running him off of those curls and, and like you've, you have to get that shot off in a tight window. And, and we, as we discussed, he's got that, that elongated uh, dip and, and has had some issues getting his shot off there. Um, he is still trying to be the same style of driver that he's always been, which is a very, very physical one in spite of being so weak and it's not working. Um, he's getting, he's getting like bumped off line, but he also just can't finish through that contact anymore. And there are some good moments. There are some drop a shoulder into a guy, hit a leaner, but it's not that frequent. It's not frequent in the way it's been. And the physicality is great. And I think that down the road with that play style, once he adds strength, we could see a bit of a resurgence certainly as a slasher, but he is diminished currently. Um, He's still had a lot of success actually generating space for jumpers. And I think that's something that's been very, very uh, encouraging, even though he's missed all, literally all of his three-pointers. But his, his footwork, um, dribble move combinations are still amazing. They're still so good. He's still had tremendous success generating space there. He's just not hitting the shots. It's really not that big of a deal. It's an 11-shot it's an uh, three-point sample. He does need to hit those eventually. But um, – I'm not that worried about that right now. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, re- reconsidering what his role is, that he's much more of an off-ball wing who can do stuff on the ball. And that can still be a very valuable prospect and a very highly ranked one in this class. But it's not like a high-end number two in an average draft. Uh, and then the other thing to note is just defense. I think he's been pretty terrible. Uh, it, it's a, a lot of bad ball watching. He has looked pretty slow as a mover. Um, it's a lot of situations where like he can't string together positive defensive sequences. Like, like he, he'll have a good stunt, but then he, he is recovering to absolutely no one and his man is at the rim and it's a dunk. Like he, like it, it's just, it unravels quickly and he, he just has underwhelmed a ton there as a guy who was somewhat of an inconsistent defensive player, but had very high moments. Uh, that's not been great. Yeah, I think the off-ball game has been encouraging in spots. Definitely not the level of on-ball creator we thought he was. Just at this level, doesn't have either the burst or the strength to, to make his style of slashing work. As you said, some moments where he's able to use his, his really awesome body control and that great micro skill of, of contorting his body to finish around and through contact with, with the touch he showcased. Some of that is there, but it's not consistent and it's not going to be consistent. And especially in the role Kentucky asks of him, where he's asked to make a lot of quick, decisive moves that require burst and strength to get into defenders and finish through around them. Um, a role in which we saw someone like Maxi excel because of that. Um, BJ has none of those skills. Um, yeah, I mean, if people have been like touting that like 0 for 11 three point um, number as like a real thing. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the shot has to fall, but don't get worried about a three game sample um, of him as a shot maker. But like I said, I do think there have been some encouraging moments attacking off the catch. There was a play against Kansas where. He used like a negative step and then had and then bursted by his defender and, and finished with a dunk. I do think the, the those slashes of, of off catch footwork um, and then the I think the flexibility is there to and the burst uh, enough to to be a good off catch attacker with the finishing he does have, where his his finish is likely going to be less contested and, and less strenuous at the rim. So. Uh, I think uh, a shift to a more off-ball role is definitely plausible for for BJ Boston, who 
again, has to hit the threes to, to function there long-term, but I think the spot-up should be fine enough. Um, but yeah, the defense has been bad. Like, like, he, he, like, like I talked about last week, he is fundamentally a gambler as a defensive player, and the gambles haven't been working. Um, that's problematic. But again, I mean, he still has those rim protection tools, and he's, you know, most teenagers are bad at team defense, especially high-level ones um, offensively. So uh, definitely a little nervous about B.J. Boston, but definitely not, like, selling all my stock on him or anything. I mean, that would be foolish to do for anybody three games in, I think. Yeah, I've been – the thing, especially in that Richmond game, I was really underwhelmed by his off-ball positioning defensively. Um, just not – he's not, like, well-positioned to stunt and recover or cut off a driving lane attacking off the catch, stuff like that. Um, was really underwhelming to me. And I think, you know, what I maybe I, I think you guys probably saw more of BJ pre-college than I did, but I saw a good amount of him. And I think where a lot of his passing shine was in the open floor and in the open court with his handle when he could do stuff and those funky arm slots he could make passes from. And because Sierra King and, you know, AOT or whatever, they're not dominating teams. He gets all these runouts. Um, you're seeing less of the passing equity. Like we really haven't seen much passing from BJ. And I thought that he was, he was pretty solid for a wing in that regard. I think maybe I overrated it personally because a lot of it from, from what I saw came in the open floor and we're seeing less of those opportunities. But at the same time, as a, as a driver, even though I think he's struggling with some physicality and strength and burst concerns, I've still liked you know, some of the change of pace and the persistence and the ability to shoot from awkward spots and use his length as a finisher. Um, but all the numbers in front of me, but I am still kind of encouraged there, especially if we're talking about translating to an off-ball role. I think that he'll be pretty impressive you know as a as a finisher not necessarily a driver and rim frequency guy but i like what we've seen once he gets to the rim um but i also think the handle you know it it looks good but it is it is less useful if he doesn't have strength or burst because there was a play against kansas where he like got a little advantage on marcus garrett but because he didn't have the explosion and the strength to get by him garrett just like cut him off and they forced a he forced to travel so um yeah I, i kind of echo what you guys are saying there's still reasons for optimism um, but definitely may be a more subdued on-ball role than we previously anticipated. Yeah, I think the passing point is is correct. Like, I think that his his best passing was certainly in the open court, and it's never good to buy into that too much. Um, a lot of guys can pass really well in the open court. Um, yeah, I think that, like, his approach is still good. He still wants to get downhill, and I think that in some senses he's capable of it. Um, and even, like, even on-ball space creation at times has been really good because he is capable of, like, he does, he has a very functional handle. Like, he knows how to use it to actually generate space to really manipulate a defender. Um, and, and it's just, you know, capitalizing on that that's been a problem. So I think once the jumper starts to fall at the, at the level that, I mean, it, it, like, obviously he's not a 0% three-point shooter, Um what level he is matters a lot and we don't know, but once that starts to fall, it's going to look a a little bit better. And I think he will still get to see some of these on ball ISO reps just because like Kentucky's offense is kind of a mess and they don't really have anyone else who can do anything with ball. And there are just going to be, I think a lot of ugly possessions that come to BJ with very little time on the clock and two guys in the dunker spot and, and he kind of just has to create space for for a jumper and I think he'll be able to do it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think he's, he's a guy where expectations need to be tempered and that doesn't mean that he's still, that he can't still be uh, in, in that second tier in this class. I think it's just 
reconsidering what that second tier means that he's not really a big time creator that he is he is more of a of an, a complimentary wing who can do some stuff on the ball as opposed to a guy who can really be like a huge on ball scorer all right so um, i think we're good to move on to another kentucky prospect who has played i think a little better than we expected in terrence clark um, but someone who, after that first really incredible game, what was it against Moorhead State? I, I, I think it's cooled down a good bit. Um, a ton. Yeah, I, I, a ton. I, I mean, he's crashed back to earth. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, just I mean, first of all, the the defense, which was incredible against Moorhead State, has come well back down. He's always been a solid defender, but he's had more problems, to my eye, um, in his screen navigation and just not being as totally perfect in positioning. But the offense is still really concerning. And by offense, I mean, you know, primary creation as the shot, like Boston, has not been able to hit. Um, He is not a good pull-up shooter. Um, He's not a good three-point shooter. He's shown some nice touch in that mid-post area on floaters and, and fadeaways and some some tough tougher pull-ups. But generally, the shot for his role is really concerning. And he's generally just very unexplosive. Um, like, he, it's very, very concerning. I think especially in that Richmond game, um, you saw a couple plays where, like, he'd be – like, he'd string together some moves, like hit a quick crossover to generate an initial advantage. Um, but he just has no burst to – to finish those drives and, and, and take advantage of, of that space he creates and get all the way to the rim. Um, and then really create, create space for him for, for three pointers as well, which he's just not hitting. So he, li- the, he literally hasn't yeah. hit one. Also. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been like outlier bad. And obviously like, again, Clark is not like a zero percent shooter like BJ Boston is, but I think yeah, the shooting he, has always been concerning for him. Yeah. He might just yeah. be a bad shooter. Yeah. That's always guy, been a real, yeah, I think. Can shoot. Yeah. That that's always been a real concern for, for Clark that he's just not a good shooter and he hasn't done anything obviously to abate those concerns in the Kentucky sample. I mean, he's still, he still has been good as like an off ball offensive player. Um, enough bursts, I think to attack off the catch and like I said, get to his, his spots where he can excel in, in that mid paint floater pull up short fadeaway area where he is pretty, where he, he is pretty stellar there and, and has great touch and has shown, shown quite a bit as a shot maker and then has some, has some nice passes attacking off the catch. But I do think like, again, a lot of his good passes have also come in like transition or semi-transition early, early offense where He's taking advantage of like a very tilted defense and making pretty basic like laydowns and interior passes, which are nice to see again, but just tougher to envision them working at the next level and um, more constrained offense. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, he's looked better than I gave him credit for, I guess. Like he, uh, like, I don't think he's a like 45, like, like I, I didn't mean like the, like the mid early second um, coming in. I think he's better than that, but I still don't think he's that great just because, being a primarily off-ball offensive player who's not a good shooter um, and not an exceptional finisher, it's it's tough. Um, so, I mean, he's he's cooled down, and uh, I mean, I still consider myself very much a Clark skeptic, um, who it just doesn't seem like. Whereas, at least like BJ Boston has been disappointing, no doubt, but he's shown um, the type of flashes, at least in terms of play style, that we're looking for in terms of offensive generation, where Clark just hasn't. I think. So, I, yeah, I didn't see that first game. I've seen the next two Kentucky games, so my sample is a lot worse, unfortunately. I'll get to the Morehead State game at some point, I think. Um, but, yeah, so I haven't seen that first great game that both of you were very complimentary of in your, your opening part of this draft cycle. Um, but, yeah, I have not been impressed with him. You know, you know, in our previous part one of this, I talked about how Jalen Johnson lacks some burst, but I don't think 
makes a ton of bad decisions off of it. I think Clark is the opposite in, in that sense in that he can't really get downhill and he settles for a lot of tough mid-range jumpers or you know just really kind of stalls the offense. And I think that's definitely an issue if you want him and doing anything on the ball. And even, it's not even like he's running these spread pick and rolls or he's running an ISO and he can't pick, get by a guy like he'll try and attack off the catch and then he can't and he, st- he settles for like a tough fadeaway. Um, and I think the defense, yeah, has been solid. It hasn't really popped a ton to me. Um, but, yeah, he hasn't looked like someone I, I feel like I'm totally off about. And, again, I haven't seen his best game, so that's partly on me. But, yeah, he hasn't popped at all. And I think the burst concerns are really um, amplified by some of his decision-making awards as well. Yeah, I think that as opposed to BJ, Clark, while, while he does have a very good and shifty handle, he doesn't sell it the way BJ does. He's not – like, it's not as functional in that way. He, like, he doesn't really use it to create advantages as, as much as BJ does. It's very um, aesthetic, and it's always been that way. And I think yeah. it's been, like, overrated because of that because it looks so smooth. And, and yeah. it, it looks – like, the, the moves look so sharp and, and, and just pretty. Like Yeah, I, I think that's very accurate. Yeah, Clark's always been a weird prospect. And I think that, that what this three-game sample indicates – is that we were far too dismissive of a guy who's always been an intelligent player that like, he has always like, I think been had some ability to manipulate as a playmaker. He's been a smart defender uh, and is, you know, six, six or so. Um, I think we're, we're just too dismissive of that. That's something that's, that's a top 30 player in most classes at the very least. Um, however, you know, rea- overreactions to that Moorhead state game were unwise. Um, because, you know, you, I, you, we, we were still saying, you know, let's, let's wait and see if he can actually get by anyone against much stiffer competition. Let's wait and see on the shot. And the shot's been a total disaster and he can't get by anyone. Um, and if you think that he can hit spot ups and I don't think that that's unreasonable, then he's probably going to be a pretty solid complimentary wing because he does have, he has transition handling, transition playmaking, will be definitely a plus passer for a, for a closeout attacker role does have that floater game. I think is going to be quite a solid defender. Um, so it's just like, yeah, there, there's something there. You shouldn't dismiss a guy who's that size and has some intelligence and has always been, I think a good defender. Um, but the, the billing of Terrence Clark as a, a stellar athlete, I think hopefully will, will be dead now and people will realize that that's never been the case that he's never been, uh, some some wildly explosive athlete, and that really really hampers him as a creator. He's just he's not a, a creator prospect. Um, yeah, he's 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 struggled a ton. Uh, the the I mean the aggregate numbers on him again through three games are really like pretty terrible, <laughs> and probably more in line with what we thought we'd see coming into the year. Uh, but but that that first game was good, and I think that generally you do have to. You, you can't be too low on a guy who is a, a good defensive player, pretty intelligent in that size. Yeah. He is a good am- example to me of checking aesthetic bias as well. Cause at least like when I first, wa- I-, I think if I remember correctly, this was the case with you as well. Like, like I thought he was more explosive than he actually is. Um, and after, you know, talking with people like you who had seen more and going back and reconsidering, I'm like the, the explosion just isn't there because he looks so fluid and on the drives where he does win, especially against the, you know, lower levels of competition, it, it looks so fluid and so natural and so like NBA, like, like it, it just looks like, uh, a drive that makes sense that works, that would work. But when you break it down and 
really examine his burst and how how drastically advantaged creation is. I, I think this is a, a, pretty, a particularly strong um, place to use PD's, our friend PD's heuristic, where just the, the level of advantages creation and the generation of easy shots isn't there. Um, that's an important thing to, to be aware of because like players like him who look like creators but are not creators are, are, are you know, they exist and that's just an important thing to be able to be, that's an important bias to, to be aware of and to check and to understand how to overcome, I think. That is the universal Terrence Clark experience. Like I, when I first saw him, I, I texted Ross and I was, I was pretty into Terrence Clark. Uh, like just the, the pacing that he played with um, as a ball handler, the, the intelligence pops immediately. Um, and then you watch three games, four games, five games. It's like, okay, the, I don't really understand how he's supposed to be creating offense for himself. Um, like, I, I'm not sure how this exactly works as a big time prospect. And I, I get, you know, I still see some appeal as a complimentary wing, but I don't understand how this works as the top 10 recruit that he was. And you, uh, you had the same exact process. I remember you texted me and you're like, oh, so Terrence Clark. I was like, okay, watch, watch three or four more games and then we'll, see, we'll see what you think then. And I, I think I got a follow-up text a few days later that, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that was yeah. the case. Um, should we move on to the other big-time <laughs> Kentucky prospect, Isaiah Jackson? Yes. Uh, let's talk about Isaiah Jackson, who had, what, eight blocks in that Kansas game? Like That defensive performance was... It something. was like the one game against... Was it against AOT, I think, he had in UAVL, where he had five or six blocks and was just, like, erasing everything. Um, he, he had a game like this in EYBL. Like again, our, our friend Ross was, was talking about this on, on the day it happened. He's like, he has games like this where, where Isaiah Jackson's intersection of physical tools and, 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 you know, quick leaping and, and length and some of the reaction speed is just unbelievable and, and makes for some kind of wild rim protection moments uh, where he's, you know, kind of contorting in midair and, and reacting out of nowhere to, to spike balls off the glass and high pointing balls that you would never expect anyone to get to. Um, and yeah, like he, he, he was just awesome defensively in that game. Um, he just like plays where he just like stick his arm up and get a block or, you know, make a rotation and contest for a block. It was, it was really great. Um, again, still like, like, like I saw a couple like Isaiah Jackson is the best prospect on this team takes like there were some takes that got out of hand as you'd expect with a big game on national TV against a big opponent, but he was genuinely good. Um, especially defensively. I think there were some pretty good offensive moments too. I, I, my favorite play from that game from Jackson wasn't even on defense. It was, it was, it was the drive where he, I think attacked the closeout and, and hit like a look off lay down that uh, the man he was looking, the man he was trying to pass through dropped it, but he looked off um, his defender and like wrapped it around a defender low. And I think that was kind of a flashback to, some more of the passing we saw at Spire um, where he was just kind of atrocious as a decision maker and uh, playing with the ball um, in, EY in EYBL. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think there's just like a floor with Jackson because of his unbelievable physical and athletic tools. But uh, I, I really wouldn't say to get carried away uh, off of the one Kansas game that he, he was like legitimately very good. in. Like, yeah, that was a really exceptional defensive performance. Like I, I think just very good kind of undersells it. It was pretty amazing. Uh, like defensively, that was, yeah, it it was incredible. And there, there were some very bad moments. So like there were some bad pick and roll coverages. There was definitely some bad footwork. Um, there was jumpiness. There were, there were missed rotations. Like there, there was bad stuff in there, like to be very clear, but the high end was just 
astronomical. So, um, yeah, yeah and, and it's not just that he was athletically dominant. Like, there was some real, genuine, wildly impressive recognition in there, too, um, and some good movement at times. Um, yeah, he's interesting. Uh, to have those high points uh, is definitely worth something. Um, I still don't know role-wise what he is. Like, he's, he's very much on the Precious spectrum, and if he can be a five like Precious can be, I do think he's a pretty real prospect. But, you know, I, I don't know that he can be the rim runner that Precious can be. And, and I mean, our hang-up with Precious was, was what does he do offensively? And that, you know, kept him out of, I think, our, both of our top 30s. Um, and I have I, I'm almost more concerns with, with Jackson, even if he does have a, a level of passing acumen that, that Precious wouldn't, couldn't dream of. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's a weird tweener still. But that was a sensational performance. Um, I think it's just – it's yeah. an important reminder of what he is capable of defensively. Uh, and if he's a guy who can survive as a five, I do think that he's a pretty interesting prospect. Um, yeah, because he is, he is so explosive and that he does actually have that passing ability, that he does have a little ball handling ability – um, another guy that I'm not going to, not going to count on him being a shooter, even though he has shot at times in the past, he has taken shots at time in the past rather. Um, but yeah, that, that was quite the performance. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I, I've caught up on it later. I didn't watch it live. Um, but I definitely um, lived up to the billing that it, that it garnered. Um, I think that what impressed me most was the blend of quick leaping from, from Isaiah Jackson and his also ability to track the ball. Um, it wasn't just, you know, guys trying to finish over when he put his arms up. He was reaching out and, and blocking himself, you know, with his arm at a perpendicular perpendicular to, perpendicular to his body. Uh, I think as Ben kind of mentioned earlier, but yeah, that was the most impressive thing, just kind of the way he was able to track blocks. And it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't Chet Holmgren-esque where, um, you know, guys are just trying to finish over him when he's erasing everything. And obviously Chet is an incredible run protector, but um, it was a little different in delivery in that he had eight blocks and at least two or three of them came by him you know, adjusting his arms in midair to, to erase shots. Yeah. Jackson is a great example to me of someone whose physical tools very much make up for his deficiencies in terms of feel and IQ. Uh, th- there was a play where uh, he was playing drop and his positioning was really bad. He was kind of just like treading in no man's land, but he still was able to, to block the floater just because he's so ridiculous in terms of his quick leaping and his length. I think that's the big question for me. There was another one of those though where he got God. Yeah, exactly. Which the yeah, exactly. Which is which is the question is to what extent can the tools and the the ridiculous athleticism and the flashes of recognition make up for all of the really untenably bad recognition and positioning and just understanding of angles and spacing and the floor and the the offensive construction around him and to what extent can those really bad aspects of his defense improve. Um, those are kind of the big questions for me going forward in terms of his, you know, his actual skill set. Obviously there's real questions as well that Max outlined that I won't you know, regurgitate, but those are the big things I'm looking for in terms of his real defensive skill set is how much can he cover for his deficiencies? Cause his tools are really ridiculous. Like they're, they're, they're super high level. Um, he also, he, he does have, yeah, go ahead, Ben, sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was going to finish to say, like, the, the, the tools are very high level, but the, the other stuff is equally as low level. Um, yeah, there was also, there were flashes of, of uh, perimeter value in that he, I think, I believe he did block a jumper as well, and it was, it was one of those, like, whoa, I did not think a human being could cover ground like that, and then had the arms to actually block that. Uh, 
So yeah, he, I mean, he's just, he is an interesting defensive prospect um, because he's pretty special physically. And there are some kind of skill things there, but vaguely, vaguely, vaguely. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. Which kind of brings me to a a bit of a depressing question for you guys. I'll, I'll force Jackson to answer first, I guess. Who has been the best Kentucky prospect so far? That's, you know, just, just in sheer performance without any, any prior knowledge of their, their games. Yeah, because I, I mean, I still think BJ is very firmly yeah. the best prospect of those guys. Um, and I, I think I still prefer Jackson to Clark, but they're probably closer than I gave them credit for. Uh, but yeah, who has been the best through three games? I think I would go with, with Isaiah Jackson, um, just primarily on the sheer basis of that defensive performance um, against Kentucky. And I think I like, I like a little bit of his offensive stuff too. Um, just as, you know, he had a couple of nice dump down passes on the move. He had a really impressive finish, I think, diving to the rim, looked really athletic, kind of gliding through the air quickly. Um, so that would be kind of the basis of it for me. Um, but, yeah, that's not really an ideal question. I think it's important to answer. But, yeah, I would go with Jackson just because you saw kind of the game change in defense he can play and, and the degree to which he can add, add some offensive value um, with his athleticism and play finishing, even if he doesn't have great touch or strength. Ben? Uh. I think I'm I will add still to, to go to, to counter the the uh, argument for Isaiah Jackson. I uh, I think that he's while he's had high moments defensively in the other games there were a lot less of those yeah. moments and there were some really catastrophic moments. Also, he is a play finishing big man with a 46 percent true shooting percentage. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with BJ Boston still. Um, I don't know. I, I I think yes. While the highs I think have been highest with Jackson. And while maybe Clark from like a play-to-play basis on both ends has been better than Boston, I think the vision of BJ as a better prospect is is, is clear. Like the the like the like um, cross step back pull up jumper against Richmond was like a better play than anything Clark's done in in, in the first three games, and like more indicative of, of the upside with BJ as as well as some of the finishes he's had. Though he's been like definitely worse defensively than Clark, um, I think on the basis of like it being clear, evidently clear that Clark cannot be any sort of, of creator. I still think through all of BJ's struggles, there still are those inklings of hope and, and flashes of goodness that Clark just can't achieve. And and that Jackson, again, like the lows, especially in the Moorhead State game, I think were just really bad. And like offensively, like while the flashes of like some passing and stuff is there, like the decision-making and the touch is just so rough overall that i'm gonna go bj but it's like it it, it's a depressing question yeah i mean it's not even the lows with jackson it's the baseline level has been terrible it's just that there there have been crazy high points i mean he also has a one to five assist to turnover um so reaching kenneth uh, yeah it's so clark would not be in contention for this for me because while that first game was was a very very good performance um I think we saw through it to an extent. Uh, and if you're just yeah. going by who has had the, the best moments, it's clearly Jackson. Um, so it's between Jackson and BJ for me. Um, yeah, even while struggling immensely, BJ has still had the moments where he has self-created in a way that these guys can't, where he's gotten himself space in a way that these guys very much can't. Um, but Jackson is the only one of them who has actually been exceptional at any point. Uh-huh. So it, 
I think I would probably lean BJ just because if I'm looking for signs that I find encouraging, I think there's probably yeah. been more from BJ, but I'm the, receptive to both, like as an answer. Like I don't think yeah. there's a, a clear choice between them. Like the Kentucky guys have not been good, and that doesn't even cover Askew, who I think some people probably thought was a one and done. I don't think no. any of yeah. us did. But mm-hmm. he's he's been not good. Um yeah, yeah. The Kentucky guys have, have not been good. Uh, I still think – I think BJ will end up being a good prospect. I think Jackson will probably have some intrigue, and Clark is a real prospect. Uh, but not the strongest group. Yeah, it's been a little sad. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been like, super depressing. Uh, all right, should we move on to our catching eye guys? Our many catching eye guys. Yes, let's do it. All right. Um, I I guess I'll I'll go first. Um, just a couple of Auburn guys, and we're I think with these we're really getting back to the catching eye roots that it's just like, you know, random, pop uh, plays. Um, but the first is is Alan Flanagan. Uh, the last year I think he had some flashes, and this year he's had some flashes as well. Uh, he he is launching. Three pointers. Uh, he's taking taking on uh, the Sharif roll. He's taking four point <laughs> seven threes a game, and like, for sure can't shoot. But it's it's entertaining. Um, but I don't know. He had, he had like a like legit contortion finish and transition. He brutalized Anton Watson on a screen rejection, which is not really saying much. But then rose up for a dunk. Um, Flanagan is is a real flash player with like a good frame. Uh, as, as a wing size player, uh, someone to monitor, I think more like two years down the road, is he a guy who is worthy of a two-way? Maybe, maybe that's the sort of prospect that he is, but I do think that he had flash plays as a freshman and he's already had a bunch of flash plays as a sophomore. Um, so I'm kind of intrigued by him. And then there's Jalen Williams, who's very confusing because there's also a guy named Jalen Williams at Arkansas and they have the same exact spelling and it's, a, it's an odd spelling. It's J-A-Y-L-I-N. So it's highly confusing. Um, but he, he, he seems to be the next in the line of, of uh, like, Auburn 6-7 forwards who are like really he, good shot blockers. The next um, Anthony McLemore. Like. Ex- exactly. And, and we love Anthony we McLemore. Love, we love Anthony McLemore. He's, he's um, the best. Yeah, so in that, in that Gonzaga game, he had a, he had a couple of nice rotations at the rim. Uh, another guy who in two years, like seemingly everyone on Auburn, it's wonder what this guy will look like in two years. He might be interesting. Um, yeah, the, 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 um, you know, the, the mildly intriguing guys of Auburn. Yeah, I didn't see the Auburn game or haven't seen any of Auburn's games, so I don't have any other comment. But this is like what Auburn is outside of like the the rare good pro- like like the like the Akoro or like the you know would be Sharif or like Okiki guys. It's just like a lot of these random like flashy fun guys that probably will never be anything, but always do cool stuff. Like, um, should I do my other one, or do you guys want to do some of yours now? I say you can do your other one because I think we have more than you. The wait is finally over. Football's in full effect. With many teams strutting their stuff, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. 
Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Support for the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. The holidays are here. Have you made your wish list yet? Our sponsor today has the number one wished-for gift of the year. Manscaped, the best in men's below and above-the-belt grooming. Manscaped is here to ensure that you're taking care of your manhood and your nose hairs with their new performance package. The Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle and makes for the perfect gift. Imagine opening an attractive box that says, your balls will thank you, with the most sought-after gadgets and scents a person could find. Included in this new package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which is waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Look guys, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Why not use the best tools for the job here? This bundle includes the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds and make Santa proud. Yeah, we'll just go in order then. Uh, Rocket Watts. Is Rocket Watts a thing now? He looks way better. Like, Yeah, he does. So he looks really bursty. Um, he does. And is obviously a very good shooter. But yeah, he has some really good moments in that Duke game. Uh, he had that, that blow by of Roach where he like played through a lot of contact, finished with his offhand. Uh, it was pretty impressive. Um, there, there are just like a few moments where Rocket Watts is looking really bursty. Um, there were also a few moments where he just like kind of threw the ball to Duke. Um, but I, I'm mildly intrigued, which is a lot more than I expected out of out of Rocket Watts after last year. Yeah, um, he was like that against Notre Dame as well. And I kind of just like took it as like a blip. Like I was like, yeah, this is just Notre Dame. And then he did it against Duke. And I said, wow, he actually looks bursty. I, I mean, I thought there were some pretty, like, decent passing moments as well. Like, he had one pretty okay skip. Obviously, like, has always been an awesome space creator for his jumpers. Always has always has had excellent floater touch and mid-post touch. And has always been a solid point of attack defender. He's, he's, pretty, st- he's pretty strong and laterally quick. But if he's actually getting by guys, like, so, more, certainly more intrigued than he had last year, which was, which was none. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna at least keep an eye on Rocket Watts now. Yeah. as a realish prospect. Yeah. Jackson, want to go with your guys? Yeah. Um. So the first one that that is the first guy that popped to me is Dre Davis from Louisville. He's a freshman wing, about six five. Um. I know Ben has seen a decent amount of him um, before and was at least intrigued. Um. Our our friend Ross Holman is a big fan of his as well. Um, but Dre Davis is like a really, really good athlete. He's very good laterally, good change of direction. Um, so he's a really good on-ball defender. He's pretty good off the ball. Um, I don't think he's like a huge playmaker, but he's very well positioned and um, just does things that well. He's a really strong hand. Is pretty good at stunts. Um, has forced a couple of turnovers, um, playing kind of that that wing nail area as a stunter. Um, and then is really, really good as an off-ball scorer. Um, you know, Ross has you know mentioned this idea of opportunistic scorer, which I think is a really awesome term that. Um, we really should try to use more. And I think Davis is really good at it. He's also moving into space as a cutter. Um, he's really good at he, – there was a play against Western Kentucky, I believe, where um, he was on the weak side and there was a defender who was trying to kind of zone up between him and Carly Jones. 
and he rather than stay in the corner to let the defender hurt two guys he kind of um, ducked into the short corner and got the ball because the pass was easy and hit a little jumper which I think was a really awesome play um, and then he's a pretty solid three-point shooter I think numbers I've seen from him as he was about 38 39% in EYBL yeah. um, he's always been a good low free throw shooter too yeah little low volume, but um, just a really impressive on and off ball defender who knows how to play offensively and get to his spots and create um, scoring value without the ball. And then as a fine floor spacer. So someone that I've really liked watching, I've watched a lot of Louisville. I think I've watched three or four of their games already. Um, I've just been really impressed with him. He's popped a lot. Um, and as someone to monitor, I could definitely see myself having him as a, you know, maybe a 30 to 45 guy. Um, if he continues to play well and, you know, maintain solid floor spacing efficiency um, and projection. Yeah. I love Dre Davis. I had him top 45 coming into the year, which was certainly a hot take, I think, because he wasn't even, he's not even top 100 RSCI, which is, I mean, totally ridiculous when you, when you watch him play. And it's obvious at Louisville. He was a really good, like, on-ball slasher in high school, especially, where he was, like, super physical and used his strength and his footwork well to create advantages. And I think we've seen some of that translate to his role as an off-ball scorer where he's been able to, to be, a, be a smart cutter and off-ball mover and use some of that, physical, that physicality and frame to create advantages for himself as a scorer. So he's looked really awesome. I mean, I've been really encouraged with, with Dre Davis. Like the, I'm pretty, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a good shooter as well. Like the free throw, the free throw's always been good. And uh, the, he was a versatile shooter uh, in high school and UIBL. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, he's a really good mover as well. Um, I, I have like distinct memories of him like playing very well against Scotty Barnes in uh, in their matchup at UIBL. Um, just able to use his, you know, quick hip mobility and lateral and lateral movement and physicality on that end to, to stymie bigger guys and, and guard down a little bit as well. Um, just, just another one of these really good off-ball wings, uh, these, these two-way off-ball wings, which is kind of quite a few of these in this class at the moment. Obviously, uh, a lot of them are going to pull out, and I don't think I'd expect Dre Davis to be a one-and-done. Um, I mean, I think it's certainly possible, especially if he shoots really well for the rest of the season. Um, but one of my favorite underrated prospects in this draft as well is Jackson. Um, and someone I'm very excited to watch is Louisville is super fun as well. So, Yeah, and yeah. as Ben mentioned, he also is, like you mentioned that on-ball craft. You see him attacking closeouts. He's done a couple of things um, from what I've seen. Like he had a nice spin and floater against Western Kentucky. He had a nice transition finish around the defender too on the ball. Um, so definitely has some utility attacking closeouts, assuming he's, good enough for the shooter, which I think he will be. Um, so, yeah, I definitely encourage with him. And just definitely a guy, if you're watching Louisville, you should, you should check out. Um, in general, they're an awesome team, and I think Trey Davis is a huge reason for that. Should I go with my, should I go with my next guy? Yep. yep. So, I think this is – I mean, this is basically a, a three-team three or three-person catch and I that we've, we've all liked for a little while is Kai Jones from Texas. Um, yeah, I know Max I I know Max has been intrigued with him for a while, and same with Ben. Um, I've been a fan, too. Um, he had some impressive moments last year as a freshman at Texas, but really seeming to seemingly finding a little bit more footing uh, this year. Um, really impressive mobility for, I think he's about 6'10", I don't know his wingspan, but really good combination of mobility and length. Um, and seems to be a pretty projectable shooter. Um, he's he's up, shooting. Yeah, he's shooting more. He hit a pull-up jumper against UNC. Um, he attacked off – off a closeout um, from the wing against UNC too, I think, and drew a foul. Um, and he's a really awesome play finisher too. Uh, he, he's only missed one shot through three games. He's not taking a lot of tough shots, but um, is a really impressive play finisher and has some ability to play some four too. I think he's played in some kind of double big lineups with Texas and um, you're seeing his ability to, to wreak havoc there with his mobility and instincts. Um, pretty good mover too, as I mentioned. 
he has a tendency to buy on like any shot fake. He has the Jackson Hayes syndrome where um, any little subtle body fake or shot fake he'll fly by. Still really underdeveloped for four. Um, he got bullied quite a bit against UNC. Um, and I think he improved kind of as that game went on. You saw him do some better stuff in the post later. But um, yeah, just a guy I'm monitoring. I, I've kind of viewed him more as a 2022 guy, but yeah, it seems so. like, he, I mean, if he continues to develop, um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe I, you know, I have him as a pretty interesting, you know, late first or mid second round flyer. Um, I don't know where I'd have him ranked now, but definitely a guy I'm continuing to keep, keep an eye on. And it's cool to see him um, in these flash games becoming more prominent. Yeah, like I mentioned on the first part, I've only seen him against Davidson, but he was pretty impressive in that one. I think just emblematic of who he is really as a defensive player. Like the the last play of the Davidson game, like he like beautifully navigated a screen and closed out to a shooter to to like it was a close game and that shot would have won the game to to you know just get a contest and force that miss. Um, like you said, raw in terms of angles and jumpiness and understanding where to be but he's a really gifted mover at his size like legitimately awesome you know change of direction ability on closeouts like just some special stuff there and then yeah just anything really more offensive role is intriguing Uh, he's always been good in transition as 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 a mover and as a finisher but seeing more willingness to shoot and then create for himself has, has been really really fun um, but yeah, huge, huge Kai Jones fan, just as, as a fan of, of the game and he's a fun to watch and someone who, yeah, I mean, I'm certainly like, whenever I like formally update my board, I'll probably have ranked, but I think he's almost certainly not going to come out after this year. Um, yeah, but still going to be a, a, an upperclassman prospect, but a, a pretty interesting one nonetheless. Yeah. Highly yeah. coordinated. Um, if he can actually shoot, like he's definitely a guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, just, it's fun to see these high school class of 2019 guys resurfacing. You got Kai Jones tearing it up. Brandon Newman continues to tear it up. Um, One more yeah, yeah, we'll are, talk about in a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, just Kai, like, popped a lot in high school playing at Brewster Academy with, with um, Terrence Clark and Jalen LeCue. Uh, yeah, just really, really, really coordinated for a 6'11 human being. Yeah. Uh, and, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, been, it's been cool fun. to see him have some success and and if he can shoot then he he's he's very interesting um one of my next guys i seem to have a few, a few of them but um you know, we talked about or max talked about auburn and or max and ben talked about auburn kind of having these fringy prospects um seems like texas tech has a similar mold of these skilled athletic wings who have pretty murky shooting projections but know how to play and have some athletic tools one of their new ones is micah Peavy. i've only seen one game of if i watched texas tech houston earlier this week and he popped a little bit um, he probably has one of the worst shooting projections of these, these crisp beard wings that we've seen in recent years. Uh, hasn't taken a three this year yet. It's 0 of 6 from the free throw line and has a very ugly hitch um, at the top of his release. But pretty fluid mover um, laterally and attacking off the catch for a 6-7 guy. Has a pretty impressive handle there too. A really good go-to spin move that he used a couple of times at least against Houston to get some buckets or get to the foul line. Um, a uh, decent passer on the move to smart team defender doesn't always make the impact when he rotates, but I'm just a guy who popped a lot when I watched this game, uh, Texas tech Houston, and just someone that I don't know if I'll ever have, you know, ranked very highly, but just a guy who I appreciated with his level of skill, and athletic tools, and um, seems unlikely he ever reaches the shooting threshold anywhere, or anywhere close to it to be, to be a, a, a true guy in, in any draft class, but um, skilled, talented player who I just kind of enjoyed and, and really popped when I, when I watched him. I don't know if either of you have, have seen any of him yet. Yeah, I haven't seen Texas Tech, but I actually did see a decent bit of him in UIBL with pro skills. 
because um, that team was super fun with K.K. Robinson on Arkansas and also Jalen Williams, the, the Arkansas Jalen Williams on, on, <laughs> on pro skills. But I, I never liked Micah Peavy. Um, I always thought he was just kind of slow overall, like processing the game defensively, um, unable to really separate or hit his shots. Uh, I, I do remember, and I actually just looked at my notes, the, like the spin move popping up as something he does pretty frequently. Um, but yeah, I mean, I certainly don't doubt that Chris Beard and Texas Tech um, able to make wings look good um, as defensive positioning guys and uh, get some get something out of them offensively. Um, I mean, so like no firm hard judgment on PD. Just someone who I've had a negative view of in the past, but obviously I'm open to reconsidering and in, in, in a in a totally new context. So. Yeah, PB might fit that mold for me as a guy that I enjoy watching, but don't really actually enjoy as a prospect like that yeah. in that realm. Um, but yeah, just a guy that, that popped for me in the first Texas Tech game you know, senior of the year. Um, my last yeah. and final guy that um, you know was popped is kind of an older guy. Just sad that Namari isn't really playing. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I almost I forgot about him honestly when I, when I watched that game until I did a couple yeah. of things. But um, yeah, my final guy is not a, not a new guy by any means, but um, Charles Basie, uh, Western Kentucky redshirt sophomore, um, top ten recruit a few years ago, had a back injury or knee injury last year I don't recall which but something that kind of looked concerning um only played two or three games that I recall um but is back with Western Kentucky and looks pretty impressive like a, very much a legit NBA big um like I think someone that's definitely going underrated I don't know exactly where if he's ranked at all on some boards but um he definitely deserves a look and should be a firm NBA big really not really but like a solid lateral mover is able to contain some guys downhill and definitely hedge for the seven four wingspan seven three and a half wingspan um pretty impressive vertical leaper quick off the ground um he he hasn't shot the ball well for his career from three is about 30 percent but he's getting up um i think almost three games so far this year mid 70s or high 70s free throw shooter um so a guy that i think you can probably project to be a decent floor spacing center moves in space really well offensively like diving to the rim off the screen stuff like that and like i mentioned the quick leaping should help him as a lob threat um so just a big man that i think deserves more recognition as a someone with clear use as a you know, serviceable or rotation big man who can um, diversify your pick and roll coverage, be a good rim protector and can space the floor and add some play finishing dynamics. So um, a guy that definitely kind of maybe fell off the, the radar a little bit after his injury and after he didn't declare for, or he didn't go to the draft after his being a top 10 recruit in 2018. Um, but a guy definitely should be back on the draft radar. Yeah. I haven't seen back. I haven't seen Bassey this year, but someone who I definitely have on my watch list and a meeting to see. So, all right. So I'll go with a couple guys I have. Um, first one is Arizona State freshman wing uh, Marcus Bagley, who has definitely popped as a really impressive shooter and off-ball player. Again, six foot eight. Um, the three-point volume so far is like totally ridiculous. Um, I haven't checked uh, since the the Cal game last night. Yeah, putting up 12 threes per 100 at six foot eight, that's like almost never happened. I think the, like the only freshman wing at his height who's done anything similar is Cam Reddish uh, in terms of three-point volume. It's just so rare. Um, yeah, there are, there are more guys. But yeah, it's yeah. It, of like serious prospects, yeah. it's Reddish. And, yeah, of like actual prospects, I mean. Like, yeah, like Dylan DeSue didn't <laughs> and there's actually one more guy this year who's putting up 10 attempts per game who's like wing forward sized and it's a, a pretty hilarious piece of trivia and i think you guys should have to guess who it is i have a hint no 
<laughs> How, wing forward. Can you give us like a conference? I'll find. I'll give you a hint. He's one for 15 on threes. I, I, you, what's, the, what's the threshold? He's just six, uh, eight, 10, 10 attempts per, per 100. 10 attempts per 100. 10 attempts per 100, and he's one for 15. You're, you're, if you don't get it, you're going to be kicking yourself. I feel like Jackson might be able to get it. Oh, man. Oh, man. One for and 15. We, oh, is it Greg Brown? To... It is Greg Brown. Yeah. Greg Brown yeah. is shooting 10 threes per 100. Yeah, I was looking up his Yeah, I was looking up his stat profile before. In fact, he is shooting 11.9 threes per 100. The same number as, as Bagley. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um. <laughs> the volume is there. I mean, that's, that's as, as I, I've, both of you have noted and Ben has written about extensively, volume is key. So hopefully. Hopefully that is a good sign for for brown shooting projection. But. Key in conjunction with other indicators. Yes, but yes. yes, yes, of course. It is, Unlike it is a, Greg Brown, though, Marcus Bagley has made ten of his twenty-five. <laughs> so he's yeah, actually shooting forty percent. And he looks, and he is an incredibly good off-ball mover. Um, um, kind of, uh, yeah, just really smart. Um, in terms of his off-ball positioning, uh, relocations into space, uh, cutting as well, though hasn't exactly done anything inside the arc as well, uh, which we'll get to later. But yeah, a, a really good off-ball player um, as well. Has shown a little bit of, of, of closeout attacking, not bursty, and he cannot dribble at all. But um, like nice touch in the mid post and um, on like floaters and uh, little short pull-ups. Um, and that like uh, I've seen a couple like okay basic passes as well. Defense Defensively, like can best describe him as like solid and unspectacular. Like he's okay um, in his positioning, doesn't make a ton of mistakes, isn't an overly great playmaker and is a bit clunky as a mover and struggles to navigate screens. But at six foot eight, like that's kind of all you need. I think there's been some almost like I've seen like lotto hype for Marcus Bagley, which I'm certainly not there with. Um, I do think he's Arizona state's best prospect. I mean, that, isn't, that says more about Josh Christopher, I think, than Bagley. And I do think he's a solid first-rounder because, you know, six-foot-eight shooters like that um, who move like that off ball and have some decent team defense are, are valuable. Obviously, important to see how the shooting level is out because um, this is, like, a historic volume and efficiency for, for size. Um, but if it sustains even, like, close to this level, then, I mean, he could be really solid, I think. Yeah, I I would say I'm probably in a similar realm to you about Backley. I I've seen a lot of hype, and I, I don't really think it's it's justified. Um, he isn't really a very good athlete. Like he's pretty slow and stiff. Um, you see that both in his his minimal creation attempts and his off ball defense, and even on ball defense to an extent too. Um, but yeah, a very it seems to be a very legit shooter. Obviously, we've only seen 25 shots, but a diversity of shots, a high volume pretty smooth mechanics. His jumper looked a little flatter in the game against Cal on, on Thursday, which was a bit of a bummer. He struggled from three. So maybe he got that injured in that one too, right? Yeah. Right at the end of the game though. I don't think oh, he, even, okay. he took like nine shots in the first half. I don't know if he took another shot the rest of the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, the first couple of games I saw of his, the, the jumper looked a lot better in terms of the arc. So maybe it's just a one-off thing. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely someone who was a potential first rounder um, as Ben mentioned, but, yeah, I think the lottery hype is kind of going carried away and there was his lack of ancillary skills besides the, the versatile shooting. I don't think by any means he's looked the part of like some dominant off-screen shooter or anything like that. Yeah, yeah I think he's shown some off-movement proficiency, but 
um not it's some very six, good eight heavy movement. six eight yeah not like yeah. it's not like last year spencer jones like yeah no, yeah exactly he's not sprinting into it and then pivoting and, and hitting off balance yeah. stuff like that but yeah. yeah definitely someone to monitor and could be a potential first rounder because as been mentioned shooting at that size um with enough you know with enough ancillary skills yeah, i think is, is pretty worthwhile yeah jackson do you have a take on the bagley versus josh christopher debate or not yet I, I would say I still lean Josh Christopher um, just because like, I, I think there are definitely issues with Josh Christopher, but to this extent so far, he has been a very, very impressive offensive shot maker. Um, I think maybe some of that should be due for some regression, but um, I do like that. I think he could be a pretty good secondary player attacking off the catch and um, maybe working some dribble handoffs where he's got, he's got momentum on his side or he's got an advantage created for him already. Um, so I would lean Christopher. I don't know exactly where I'll have him, but, um, I, I do think kind of the, the tough shot making yeah. has been very impressive. And we've seen some, some passing flashes that a really nice pass to a cutter yesterday in the first half against Cal um, on Thursday, I guess. So yeah, I would lean Christopher, but that could definitely change if, you know, he, if, he, if the efficiency dips and Bally shows a few more ancillary skills, because this is the first I've seen of a Bally. He could have far more in his offensive toolbox than maybe I've seen so far. Yeah. They're certainly close for me. Anyway. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that much. The one thing that concerns me is that people who are more familiar with Bagley's track record think I think think of him as a as a bit of a streak shooter. I know PD said that, um, and he's he is a huge Bagley fan and always has been. Um, but I'm just a little worried that if he if he's a streak shooter, you know, the, this these numbers are going to come down. I know uh, Zach Milner had told uh, me and Jackson that that Bagley's uh, prior shooting numbers were pretty poor. Uh, dating back to some old AAU numbers and, and things change very rapidly at that age. But uh, just something to note that expecting him to be 40% on 10 three-point attempts per 100 is probably not reasonable. And his stock is going to depend a ton on, on what level of shooter he is. Um, but yeah, I mean, like definitely seems seeing some versatility from him and what I have seen is nice, but like you guys said, it's not sprinting, pivoting in the air. It's like it's a flare, and he gets kind of set up and shoots three. But it's it's a nice thing to be able to do, especially at six eight. Uh, but it's not like crazy valuable. Uh, yeah, I I'm, would still be inclined to say Christopher because I think the, you know you you need to kind of specialize how you use him. But there's there are avenues to really pretty serious value there. I believe the just to you know add on to the the stat that Max kind of alluded. To, I believe that what. Um, Zach Miller told us was that he was seven of 56 um, from three in his EYBL season, um, 2018-19. Um, that's like a real GM. I'm looking at it right now. So, yeah, definitely not an ideal number there. But I think you know, watching his shot diversity and his mechanics, you you can definitely you know, if he continues to be a good shooter this season, then you can definitely buy into him as a pretty um, good shooter at six eight. But yeah, the prior numbers are not very um, encouraging. Yeah, I mean this volume alone at it's that ridiculous. size. Like, yeah, like because if he if he maintains this volume alone, you you'd have to think you'd have to be pretty optimistic on his shooting. Because like I don't think Greg Brown is going to maintain this three point volume. Like there's almost no way that a guy who's that bad of a shooter could do that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean we'll we'll, we'll see with, with Bagley. I want I want to obviously watch him a lot more closely. But he seems he 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 does seem to be a very real prospect. Yeah. So the next guy I have is Aaron Henry, who I think has made marginal but important improvements. I th- I I think he's looked quite a bit better as a playmaker um, defensively. He's always been a fine team defender and a good one, but I think he's making rotations that he just hasn't made in the past. Definitely could be small sample, and his ridiculous blocking steal numbers are obviously going to come down. Um, but I think there's is a real 
the improvement here where he's just seeing the floor on defense like he hasn't before. And I think that was apparent in the Duke game. It was apparent in the Notre Dame game as well. Um, and then I think there's some of that offensively where he's transitioned into a more on-ball role, kind of as expected with the departures of Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. He definitely still has his issues um, with, you know, hand, with you know, handling creation um, and decision-making. But I think he's seeing the floor um, a little bit slower uh, making better decisions overall, making some reads and decisions I don't think he would have made last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really liked what I've seen from from Aaron Henry to start this year. Had some, I mean, obviously, like the the point of attack defense is still special. Had some like really dominant moments in the Duke game, especially against like Matt Hurt, where he, he punked Matt yeah, Hurt. Yeah, oh I mean, my yeah, god. I mean, he like, I mean, Matt Hurt has looked very bad to start the season, but like Aaron Henry just destroyed him. Like, he abused him. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the the point of that attack defense is awesome. It's always the, the 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 floater touch and the finishing stuff is good as always with Henry. Um, but I, I do think there's like real improvement there, uh, even if it's marginal. Which is what you want to see from someone taking on a new role, especially. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not like freaking out about Aaron Henry or anything. Um, always have viewed him as like a first round level prospect, continuing to do so. Um, but just I, I want to track this and see if over like the course of the season he can really improve his steal rate or, or his block rate or continue to look better in the ways that I've seen him improve. So. Very good player, first round pick. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to add. He's just, like he's he's, he's a good, just good. Yeah. he's a good wing prospect. Like yeah, I talk I, about I probably, wing scarcity. Like yeah, I mean, I probably would have taken him in the first last year. He's he's a good player. Yeah, I'm a little lower on him. I, I think Ben mentioned it, but um, yeah, still, still a definitely an, a very impressive player. And if he continues to show improved defensive instincts, and one thing I've liked, um, I know Ben's talked about previously, he looked more a little more in control offensively. That was kind of my big hang-up with him last year as a prospect. I think I had a mid-second round was he just didn't really ever look like he knew exactly what he should be doing a lot of the time in kind of his offensive role off the ball, but looks more improved and controlled in that manner. Still a little wired to make passes when he's attacking off of, close out something like that, but um, definitely kind of looks more in control and, and, and subdued and kind of understanding what he should do with the ball in his hands. Um, yeah. Obviously you guys mentioned he's playing on the ball more, but I think even showing better pace and understanding there could be reflective of maybe learning and being open to improvements off the ball when he gets to the NBA too, which is encouraging. Yeah. All right. So the next one, uh, I, uh, okay. I'll say the best for last. Uh, so first I want to talk about um, prep to pro OG DJ Stewart. Um, who featured um, on the first episode, Catching Eye, has been pretty awesome to start the season. Um, I haven't actually seen any of the Mississippi games, but I've gone through all of the clips and put together videos. And he is putting up um, – let me find the stat. He's putting up 18 points uh, a game, which is very much up from last year. And he's had some really fun fun plays, like shot, shot versatility off of movement, hitting tough step backs, and then just like – uh, I know Max noted the change of direction as well has always been there. I think the handle looks a little bit better. Had has had some really impressive quick moves where he bursts into space and explodes for a dunk. Um, again, like don't have any like really hard takes on DJ Stewart because I haven't actually watched any of his games in full, just have seen clips. Um, but he looks good. Like like he's uh, obviously sentimental to, to, to this podcast. Um, but um, a fun player who um, I've always loved his defense um, in general. As like a well-built six-six guard, um, but yeah. I mean, if he's taking on a more on-ball role, I'm certainly excited to watch him against SEC competition this year. Yeah, yeah my he's only... a guy that I know. Sorry, he's a guy that I know. He's a guy that I know. Max has been drawn to independently, and I've mentioned to Max as well. So definitely a guy that popped for me last year. I didn't watch 
you know, I didn't watch him a ton closely when I watched Mississippi State, but um, a guy who popped enough for me to, you know, talk about with some other draft folks. So it's, yeah, I definitely agree that I, I haven't watched him yet this year, but um, and definitely, you know, it's cool to see someone that catches your eye and um, maybe is it's building on building on that to become a legit prospect. Yeah. My only DJ Stewart take, my only new DJ Stewart take is that it's so freaking confusing that there's a DJ Stewart and a <laughs> DJ Stewart. It drives me crazy because if you, no one actually enunciates like that. Yeah. So I, I get so Stewart. confused all the time. Stewart. It, and the same thing obviously happens with Jalen Williams, but I, but like with, with two guys with the same exact name, you're going to, you're going to like draw distinctions, right? Jalen Williams of Arkansas or Jalen Williams. And of both Auburn. of the Stewart's are more prospects, like our actual prospects. Yeah. Yeah. But with DJ Stewart and DJ Stewart, it's like, they're different names, so you shouldn't have to like like saying DJ Stewart of Mississippi State is totally nonsensical because there's only one DJ Stewart and there's only one DJ Stewart. But if you just say the name, it's impossible to. to... <laughs> I'm sorry, this just this drove me crazy because I I think I was talking with Jackson and our pal Zach Milner, and I had no idea they were one of them was was talking about DJ Stewart and the other one was talking about DJ Stewart, and I was so confused. Um, so one of the, one of those guys should probably change his name to make things easier for me. I don't know. I don't know what the DJs stand for, but, uh, like just go, one of you, please go by your first name. Oh yeah. Hopefully we can, um, help Max out with those pronunciations because he's clearly not a happy camper. Shout out um, to DJ Stewart though, because he is, he is a legend of the pod. He, he is a legend. First episode and he's fun. Yeah. So. Like I said, um, saving the best for last. Um, Trey Mann is tall and good. Um, this, is, this is certainly a development where he is legitimately 6'5", uh, looks every bit bigger, and has played really well in the first couple games. I've only seen clips from the Boston College one where I know he played well. Um, and then I watched the, the Army game in full where like, he, being like 6'5", is really big for him because uh, both Max and I had Trey Mann in the lottery coming into last year. I don't know about Jackson, but I did as well. Yeah. 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 So all of us were on the Trey Mann lottery train, obviously did not live the height. Just clear that someone who I think was like six, two then, or like just w- was small, lacked the burst to, to make use of his really impressive East West space creation and pull up shooting and just didn't have much of a role really. Um, but now like, the space creation for jumpers when he's 6'5 is like he can shoot over people and doesn't have to get around and create advantages because that the, the, the shiftiness and, and the, the quick change of direction and the, 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 the super fast transition from dribble to pull up are, are still right there. Um, and they and were there last year. They were there last year and, and they're there now and now he's tall and he can shoot over people. His passing looks a lot better this year. Um, I, I mean, he wasn't really given a chance to, to pass last year, but it looks a lot better than it looked in high school, at least. At least I, I didn't see as much of man as I know Max saw in high school. But to me, his passing looks a lot better than I remember from him in high school, where he's making some legitimately difficult pick-and-roll reads and tight windows and interior passes, and he's been ambitious just trying stuff that I don't think he would have tried last year. Um, at least in the Army game, he, like, he had five steals, but I thought he was pretty bad on defense. Like His positioning was, was pretty awful. Um, he was late helping and over screens and he had was bad on closeouts and he allowed like tons and tons of paint touches, but he's like pretty long and 
active using his length uh, and instinctual with his deflections. Um, I, again, don't know about the Boston College game. But yeah, like Trey Mann is like back to being a very relevant prospect, I think. Um, assuming he is the level of shooter that we, you know, we always believed he can be, then uh, someone with the, the space creation for jumpers and the and you know improved passing and maybe you know at some point enough physicality to mitigate mitigate the, for the burst a bit on drives yeah um Trey Mann is back um I'm very happy and very excited about that um so yeah ending this one on a fun note um welcome back Trey Mann yeah I've not I've not seen either of Florida's first two games I've, I've got the one from Thursday Boston College Florida on my watch list but I've not seen it um was definitely a guy that I was pretty infatuated with coming into last season um, but yeah, I, I am excited that that'll be a really fun, fun duo, um, with Keontae Johnson and, and Trey Mann yes. there. And obviously yeah. Scotty Lewis you, is a divisive prospect, but he's a fun player to watch. Um, chaotic in that sense, but yeah, definitely Florida should definitely be a pretty fun team to watch this year. If Trey Mann's legit and Keontae does his thing and, and Scotty Lewis is doing a kip up every time he falls. To the floor. <laughs> um, this is so funny to me. I haven't watched either of the games either. Uh, but Everyone always asks the hypothetical, what if you could add two or three inches to one player? How much better would they get? And apparently they go from – I mean, we talked about Trey Mann on our disappointing freshman pod with PD. And it's like, yeah, I mean, maybe he'll end up being a good college player at some point, but we're pretty out on him as an NBA prospect. And apparently he's an NBA prospect again because now he's 6'5". Um, so that's, that's a pretty funny, like, real-world example of that wild hypothetical. I think someone had asked us on a previous ma- mailbag what we thought about Trey Mann being 6'5 now. And we were like, uh, I don't know, is Matt, is Matt Hurt actually 240? Uh, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. But apparently Trey Mann actually grew three inches and is yeah, good now. It's pretty unbelievable. And, like, if he is, like, a very legit shooter this year, like, I could see him being, like, a solid first-round pick. Like, it's so funny. He's he's awesome. I mean, I've seen some people like being like right back in on train man lottery, and I love that energy, but I'm not ready to go there yet. But like he 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 is certainly relevant again, which is which is awesome. Let, yeah, let's like, give it more than two, two games. games against Army but, and yeah. DC. But, but the world is a better place when when Trey Man is 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 in the limelight. So yeah, I mean he's a, he's always been a, a fun player. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch some of this because yeah. I, I it really is a very cool de- uh, demonstration of I think a concept that or a hypothetical <laughs> that people always find really yeah. fun in draft evaluation. Understandably, like it's, it's yeah. a cool thing to think about, and so having an actual example test of, case this of this, is where with a guy awesome. who went with a guy who went from being like a, a prospect to a non-prospect to like a real prospect again would be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what you guys think about. Trey Mann's performance, um, and I'm gonna get to the Boston College game. It's on my watch list as well after I finish some some older ones. But yeah, Whew. I do Man. wonder if he um, if he stole. You know, did he and Anton Watson switch spots? Anton Watson had to no longer become a prospect for Trey <laughs> oh, Mann to oh. regain notoriety. And I hate to Matt that, Hurt and Wendell Moore. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, they all they, they all had to to give up their their equity as NBA guys, future NBA guys, so Trey Mann could could thrive again. Unfortunately, it's worth it. Yeah, I okay. I almost put a section on the on the outline for this pod of guys who were concerned aren't prospects, and you guys just hit on all of them. It was <laughs> Watson, Moore, Hurt, uh, well, Hurt, Hurt less so because if you're that size and can shoot, yeah. like, you're kind of always somewhat yeah. of a prospect. But he's but, not look good. Like, but Watson and Moore look like total non-prospects. Watson yeah. maybe even more so. Like Watson really is like I don't think. We're just I mean, priming your next, has been pretty, the next episode for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Moore, Moore is trying to do so much, and I don't really understand why, and it's not he's going just, well. He's just, like, I, I mean, he's totally overextended. Like, he can't create off the dribble at all, and, like, he's, like, doing that, like, often. I mean, like, they, they should be giving those to, like, Stewart and, and Roach, like, exclusively, and I guess Jalen Johnson, but, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, I mean, yeah, Watson, yeah. Watson I would is producing – yeah, you can go ahead, Jackson. I would just add, yeah, by watching Watson's three games this year, he is by no means a prospect at the moment. And he's playing, as we've mentioned many times, in a very good context to thrive if you're limited. So, um, yeah, I would not. Con- I don't consider him a prospect. You don't want to be too rash, but he barely played last year when healthy, and what he's done this year looks like a totally different player. So I've, yeah. I've kind of taken him off of the, the board for now, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've never been a huge Watson guy. I always thought that he was like a tweener who was – not necessarily that skilled as a four and didn't necessarily have the size as a five. Um, but right now it's like a kind of a new concern is that like he, he can't he doesn't, move Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't move like Obi, but it's the same sensation of watching a guy who's so poor at moving that he legitimately looks injured. Um, and it's just like a very uncomfortable experience, but yeah, Watson looks totally awful. Um, like really, I, do- yeah. I mean, he really doesn't look like he should be playing for them. But the problem is that the alternative is like Umar Balo, who also looks yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, also, I just like I, Isaiah Mobley. Uh, yeah, I'm totally done with him. I mean, he's also like it, it's like it's like an interesting test case of like what if you took a very good prospect and like took away all of his athletic tools? Like that's like I, Evan. I, I mean, not not exactly. With like yeah, Evan and Isaiah, I'm so like, I'm so fascinated by the Mobley. Yeah. Like I I want to know their whole developmental story, like how what their dad did to turn them into these just like genius monsters. But yeah, I I the Mobleys playing together is good it's for the soul. Joy, it's a joy. I mean, it makes that like that USC like terrible USC system like fun. Like yeah evan mobley uh well i'm sure i mean we talked about him a little bit on the first episode we'll talk about him in a lot more depth many more times in the future which is wonderful because evan so mobley good. is an absolute delight he is an incredible prospect yeah he's been my favorite guy to watch this year so far he's, like, he's unbelievable really really good unbelievable yes, um I, yes i did write about evan mobley on my patreon if anybody's interested in, in more depth on his offense um i think we've been rambling for long enough here <laughs> Um, we ended up, we ended on positive. No, we, we, we did. were positive. There were negative. Now we're positive again. So we, we had to bring it full circle for, for the listeners and ourselves. Yes, we did. Um, so yeah, I mean, super fun couple episodes again. Thank you so much to Jackson for giving us uh, his time and giving all of you, the listeners his time. You can follow him on Twitter at Jack Frank underscore JJF posts, draft clips and content, just like Max and I do Jackson, anything you want to plug? Uh, nah, same as part one. Basically, I'll have content on my, my Twitter and on my Patreon. Make sure you're subscribed to, to Ben's Patreon for sure. And um, if you're willing, you can obviously subscribe to mine. But most of my content will be free this year. So I um, just appreciate you guys having me on and allowing me to talk basically through the entire first week and a half of the NCAA season together. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. We like even, you know, going for what, almost two hours, we have omitted quite a few guys like, I don't know, like Scotty Barnes. We, we didn't even mention he, he played um a couple other guys but plenty of so much content to go around it's truly such a breath of fresh air after last year when we had to stretch so hard on some weeks but um yeah um much more in the future as always uh to follow us um keep track of the pod follow the pod on twitter at prep number two pro pod 
You can follow Max at Max A. Carlin, me at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. And with that, we will see you all next week. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.